Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. Oh, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name's Lloyd Ross. This episode is called, Are You House Poor? Are You House Poor? What does house poor mean? Well, it means that you are probably living in a house that's worth quite a bit of money, but you still feel like you're struggling to make ends meet. Okay, so for example, let's say you live in a house and you bought it for say seven or $800,000 and you went through a real estate boom in the last couple of years and now it's worth $1.6 million. And you're like, wow, I'm a millionaire. I actually have a net worth of a million dollars. If you don't know what net worth means, go back and check out one of the podcast episodes I did on figuring out your net worth. And you realize, wow, I bought this place uh, for say seven or 800000 It's doubled over the last you know few years, which is awesome. And now I'm, I'm actually officially a millionaire. I have a million dollar net worth. Okay, my assets minus my liabilities equals $1 million. But you may not feel like a millionaire. You're like, why? hang on a sec, I'm a millionaire, but why am I still running to a job I don't like? Uh, I'm only having four weeks holiday a year. Why am I struggling to pay the bills, right? You might be having these questions. Well, you could be house poor. And that really means that you're living in a house with a lot of equity in it, with a lot of, um, you're paying a hefty price to live in the house you're currently living in. So for example, what you could do is you could, let's say you owed $300,000 debt or $400,000 debt on this $1.6 million house. You could sell it, pay off the debt and have you know around $1 million available, which means you could then move into a house worth say 600,000, okay, a little unit, and then you could put the balance into an index fund and get twenty-four, dollars $25,000 a year income from that. And that would bolster your income. That would increase your cash flow. Would give you more options. You have no debt on your mortgage, um, and that could be an example of what you could do. Right? I'm not suggesting go and do that straight away, but but that's how you start to free up the equity that's in your home, and it's how you start to generate cash flow and passive income instead of just living in a place that's not producing anything for you. Now, this is a personal choice, of course. Um, some people love their home dearly, and it's their dream home. And it doesn't matter how much it's going to go up; they're going to stay there. Great, fine, up to you. Personal choice. But a lot of people are house poor. I was talking to a woman, I was coaching a woman uh, a few months back and she lived in, well, she still lives in Melbourne, in Australia here. And she had a property portfolio worth around $6 million that she'd accumulated over time, right? Her principal place of residence was worth about three. She had a few other property investments, you know, a total of $6 million. Now, she owed $3 million debt across the, the portfolio which meant she was worth a net worth of $3 million, okay, $3 million. But she's talking to me like, oh, I just love passive income. I just, I can't wait for the day that I can have passive income and retire. I'm like, why don't you just do it now? And she's like, what do you mean? How do I do it now? I said, well, why don't you, well, you could, you know, I'm not suggesting she does, but she could liquidate her entire real estate holding and pay off her debts and have $3 million net left over. She could move in and pay for a million dollar house, live in that, put the other $2 million, right, into some sort of fund that produces 100 grand a year of passive income. Totally doable. But like, that's it's, it's just so achievable, right, for her. She could actually do that, and then she'd be free, 
Like so, so many people are closer to freedom than what they think. They're just not prepared to take that step. I think in their mind that freedom is this the land of milk and honey, this mirage that they never get to because it's just it's a vision they have in their mind, but they're not realistic about it. Most people can actually create some sort of financial independence and freedom a lot earlier than what they think, but they have to be bold. You have to be, there's this thing with freedom. It's like financial freedom and financial security are two sides of, uh, 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 is sorry, are different sides of the same coin because the more freedom you have, sometimes the less security you get. And sometimes the more security you have, the less freedom you get. So in this example, this lady opted not to sell her houses and stay struggling, working, hustling away to try and make ends meet, even though she's sitting on you know, multiple millions of dollars in equity. So that was because she valued security more than she valued freedom. Okay, And more often than not, it's women that value security and men that value freedom. I'm not suggesting that that's exact all the time, but that's usually what happens, right? It's their highest values. So here's the thing. The security of having a home can actually create not only less freedom, but it's also perceived security. Sometimes, well, because the bank owns your house, you don't have any actual security. <laughs> so it's perceived. It's not real. It doesn't exist. I think if you have a diversified portfolio and other things, plus passive income and no debt, I think it's far more secure than having a big house with a lot of debt on it that you just feel secure in. Okay, So you have to ask yourself these tough questions. Am I actually secure or do I just feel secure? Right, It's a big difference. Um, so anyway... I've got another friend that um, she's earns about 130,000 a year income, and I had a call with her, and she's like, "Lord, I really, I'm just struggling. I've like, I've got a hundred dollars left at the end of every week. I'm like, wow, on your income, you should not be in that predicament. That is peculiar. And normally, when I talk to people like that, they're just spending, and they don't realize it. Okay, they don't have a budget. They're not spending appropriately. Okay, now obviously, when you have got children, it's more expensive, and I know life gets busy and, and expensive, but you have to be brutal." with your expenditure. It's like trying to throw out clothes from your cupboard. You have to be brutal, okay? And it's the same with your budget. Anyway, she 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 earned this this amount of money and I said, well, what's your biggest cost? She said, well, my mortgage. I said, well, why do you still have a house? <laughs> why, why, why do you sell it? Oh, it's security. I'm like, here we go. Here's a person who is literally at the breaking point of financial life, like living paycheck to paycheck. Like if she lost a job, she'd be on the doll check, right? She'd be in a real world of pain and she'd lose her house anyway. So what are we really holding on to here? Like what is she holding on to? It's perceived security. Owning a house when the bank really owns it and it's costing you all your freedom and all your happiness and all your, it's creating all this worry. What are you really securing? What are you actually securing? Like what? what is it you're protecting? Right? It's not your happiness. That's gone. Okay. It's not your wealth because you don't have any right? What are you really protecting? And I think you've got to make bold decisions at that point. Um, and it's a personal decision to make. Had another friend, she rang me the other day and she said, Lord, you know, she's one of our investing mastery students, but also a close friend. And uh, she's awesome. And she, she's done really well financially for her age. Anyway, she's got this situation where uh, she's got this house that she bought. It's gone up drastically, right? Probably in like 900,000 because obviously with the ends of a real estate boom, which is cool. And she asked me, you know, she said, look, do we sell now and do we put the money in and buy something smaller and then put the money into some sort of fund and have income? I said, well, first and foremost, I don't want to obviously don't give advice, but I just just asking probing questions to help her figure it out. And because it's best to be your own financial planner, frankly, okay, you don't want to depend on anyone for your financial decisions. But she was just, you know, we we're talking it out um, 
throwing a few scenarios around, right, for her to consider. And at the end of the day, the the decision you make has to enhance your happiness because your money ought to be used for your happiness and for no other reason because there's no point just accumulating more accumulating more money for money's sake, right? People will probably mistake me for that person, but I'm not. I'm the opposite. I use money to create, generate happiness and freedom and flexibility and choice. That's what I think money's for. I can't believe any people don't use it for that particular reason. It's mind-blowing. Um, so I so, said, you know, what decision will make you happier? And for some, it's getting rid of all the debt, having a place you own outright, having an income stream from an index fund that's passive, almost untaxed, and having your job still. Like, it's so much flexibility around that. But you then forego the fact you're not living in your dream house and you, you know, you got to sell and maybe it's a mistiming of the market and there's all these things to consider. But the question I would ask is, if you're having a very sticky financial question with yourself, ask yourself, what will make me happier? And I think moving in lockstep towards that will be the best financial decision for you. So I often say to myself, you know, when, when faced with a decision to buy something, when faced with an, a decision to invest, to divest, to sell, to whatever it is, right? My question I ask myself is, will this make me happier? If the answer is no, then I just don't do it, right? Like if we bought a boat, would it make me happier? Probably not. If I bought a Ferrari, would it make me happier for a moment? And then probably not. So I think it's just being serious about what's functional, what's going to make you happier. And usually those things that create more time, more flexibility, more choice for you and others to do the things you want to do with the people you want to do them with at the times you want to do them is the route to happiness. And money can absolutely do that for you. As long as you slave it that way, as long as you position your money that way. And too many people are being positioned by their money and not positioning their money. And that's the difference, okay? So uh, if you're house poor, you are, you may well be closer to financial freedom than what you think. And a lot of people I talk to are actually millionaires. I just don't even realize it. Because of the way they're earning their money, it doesn't feel like they're a millionaire. So I would say to you, go and be bold and give yourself a financial appraisal and say, you know, what are we really doing here with all our money? Is it just sitting there? Are we putting it to work? the right way and the right vehicles? Could we pay off all of our debts right now? Could we could we set ourselves up to have more freedom today? And I think if you really look at the numbers, you're a lot closer than what you think. And you can actually go and achieve those things on your dream board. It's probably right there in front of you, ready to go. And too many people are keeping it as a mirage, keeping it as a vision and not living into it. So if you're house poor, and you might be, then maybe have give yourself an appraisal and think about what is it you're really wanting to achieve when it comes to your wealth. Because I know it's probably not getting to the age of 65 or 70 and then selling everything, leaving it to your kids. I mean, I'm sure there's things you want to do, right? So I hope that's been a helpful episode for you, House Poor. Uh, if you're enjoying it, uh, leave us a review uh, on the podcast. You could click on Apple, leave us a review, click the five stars and then click written review. That would be awesome. I'll share it back to my stories for you, give you a shout out, give you some followers. And also, um, yeah, give us a shout out on your Instagram stories. A fair few people have done that, which is great. Uh, thanks to Petra for doing that. Oh, recently, she did that, uh, which is awesome. So, yeah, we're trying to increase the number of our uh, reviews again. We had a, an older show. We did some changes, and it's if we lost all of our reviews. So trying to build them back up again, right? So if you're enjoying this podcast, um, please do that. That would be awesome. And if you wanted me to do a particular episode, just reach out to me on Instagram and just DM me and say, hey, look, can you do an episode on XYZ? You know, I think one of my friends said, can you do an episode on bonds? Which is why I did that. So feel free, shoot me a DM and, uh, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Money Grows on Trees. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. 
If you like the show, you might want to check out her book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss. 